This is Coda Radio, episode 264 for July 6th, 2017. Welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Scale Your Code. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this your show goes on. My name is Chris, and join us from the warm, beautiful, sandy beaches of Florida. It's our host, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hello, Mike. Привет, comrades. <laughs> yeah, can you see Russia from your uh, from your beach, or is that the other side of the country? I can't. No, but I can see Cuba. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, good That's enough. Bienvenidos, caballeros. It's a little different. That sounds that sounds actually kind of nice. Well, Mr. Dominic, uh, how are you doing this week? Is Florida treating you well still? I have a house. I moved into it. Congrats. I have no stuff. Oh, it's great. Okay. Oh, that's. Good. I did a conference call from my pool today. That was awesome. <laughs> I got to say, I'm a little worried about you. Uh, I uh, I feel like Florida is changing you in ways that I'm not sure. I'm not sure about. Uh, I just saw this go by yesterday. Tweet from Michael Dominic, and I'm going to read it verbatim. Not making this up. He says, "Part of me really wants to jump on a skateboard or BMX bike, pump the Blink 182 slash Green Day, and recapture my misspent youth." What's going on in Florida? What's happening over there? <laughs> Too much sunshine. <laughs> too much sunshine, too much outdoors. I'm starting to think I'm, you know, 15 again and I can uh let, let's just put it to you this way. There was a time. Chris, there was a time. There was. There was a time. And that time when though I was not only fast, strong, but I was also agile. There's there's that, a time for that it, and then there's a time to be uh the desk monkey. And uh Mike, that that time oh, is past. Oh, 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 wait, 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 Chris, wait. Oh, what is it? What is it? I've given up my craft IPAs in favor of my teenage drink. Kids, I just want to remind you that drinking underage is a crime, and I in no way condemn this behavior. Nor does yes, Jupiter. Yes, of course. No, you, yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, a Miller Lite and Coors Light. In fact, today is brought to us by Miller Lite. Miller Lite. <laughs> in Florida, you can buy this shit at every gas station for like $4. Is it Miller Lite that's the champagne of beers? Isn't that the champagne? That's the champagne of beers, right? That's their slogan. So I think it is, but I can assure you that it's not. I think you're bringing. <laughs> I think it's actually classing up this show a little bit, you know. So you got the house. You don't have your stuff yet, but you got the beer. You got the fantasies about riding a skateboard. Um, yeah. How? This is a question that's uh, been coming into the show. How is the transition for Buccaneer going? Like business wise, how is that transition going? Uh, so not bad. So. Things are hard to do around the 4th of July holiday. Mm -hmm. In fact, I was supposed to have a meeting today that didn't happen um, about some office space, things like that down here, which is going to happen tomorrow, dot, dot, dot. It's it's interesting and complicated because I'm also starting up the new new, uh, kind of R&D project. So there's – I'm juggling a lot of things right now. I'm really going all in on both of them. Yeah, no kidding, man. That seems like one would be enough right now. No, I, I feel like I need to, you know what, Chris, it's like when you're going up a half pipe. I'm just going to keep going with this. Sure. <laughs> when you're in the midair, uh-huh. the midair, as, as, as I do, <laughs> as, 
as one does. You have a choice. You can spin around and do like a 360. Or you can realize you're a little old for this and land on your face. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe or maybe somewhere I'm in between. I'm going for the former. Maybe you'll catch yourself with your hands. You won't quite hit your face. You'll just screw your wrists up real bad. That, that could you know be positive. <laughs> with, with how much we talk about carpal tunnel, I'm, I know. I am so sure I can't take the hit. We, like, we got some good feedback on that, too. We'll get yeah. to it if we have time. Um, yes, our fellow chaps no but all, all kidding aside it, it, it is actually going very well one thing i'm finding is that the economy is very different down here um and it is much easier to do things because less re- regulation uh actually my good friend paul ryan was like told you it's true yeah florida is in a lot of ways a libertarian paradise no really it, it, it's weird i mean it so it is the south right and, mm-hmm. I, and I love the south which so means you have good food you have, you have good food if if you like don't throw up when you eat too much butter, which I do. No, I see. I'm I'm on a butter diet. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm on not a really. Don't, diet. don't write me. I'm not really. Uh, yeah, you're on the Atkins diet. Oh God! But like, there is there's like also the crazy old people who shouldn't be driving. That is a oh, thing. Oh sure, sure. That like every mm-hmm. time you go on I four, you might get killed. That, and that's, that would that would get me. That's a problem that you do have to deal with. Big fan um, of living. Big fan. But then there's like five breweries within 10 miles in Ybor City in Tampa. So that's awesome. Mm, that is nice. So uh, word has it that uh, if maybe some folks are looking for like some summer projects in the Tampa yeah. area I mean, around Plant City, there might be some yeah. some work out there. That's right. I am uh, hiring a business development person, a few QA interns, and a developer down here. Jeez, you're getting serial, aren't you? You're just getting you're getting all moved in. You're getting all moved in. So what do you want? I, like, so you want somebody? You want somebody to contact you and send you like their GitHub profile, or what are you looking for? I mean, obviously, if you're a developer of some kind, a GitHub profile is great. If you're a biz dev guy, then I don't. I mean, send me a hearty handshake, I guess. Ooh, um, is that an iOS thing? I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, it's um. It never mind. Never <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then it shows up on your wrist. Uh, so anyway, yeah, something like that. You can yeah. find out more info too. Mike started a thread in the Coda Radio subreddit, which uh, if you were following that, then you already know about this. CodaRadio.reddit.com. Little project going on. You've been very secretive about this project. Very secretive. Yeah, except I mean, you, you basically blew the whole thing last week. But me, me. Uh, so listen, uh, just a little housekeeping before we get into the rest of the show. Uh, we're going to have an extra live show next week uh, because I'm going to be in Montana. <gasps> yeah, so we're going to record the show live at our uh, at our old time, Monday noon Pacific, three p.m. Eastern, over at jblive.tv, and then we're going to have another episode Thursday of next week, uh, same time, uh, noon Pacific, three p.m. Eastern at jblive.tv. So we'll be recording those. One one will be released on the week that I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've already taken notes. I hear this. I don't know. I don't know if this shows up because I'm I'm back into using. I'm back into taking paper notes again. I I kind of got away oh, for I a do. bit, and I, I I was going with just like notes on my phone a lot. But there is really something like when I'm having like a conversation with somebody on on a podcast right now. It's much easier for me to write down a thought and then keep notes of this stuff. So I'm back on paper notes again, and I'm liking it. So yeah, a little uh, little bit of uh, housekeeping for uh, next week. Some extra coders if you're a live viewer for you to, to get in there. Now, there's something that I've been talking my ass off about recently, and I'm sure most people are sick of me talking about it, but I, I know it's still piquing your interest, and that's the development of Pop! OS by System76, as well as now Tuxedo has announced Tuxedo Zubuntu. And uh, this is just sort of uh, the topic that is continuously fascinating because I think it represents not just another Linux distro, but... 
an interesting hardware, software, delivering solutions to the customer like this. It's a big topic because it's it's a whole like market dynamics topic. So my my thoughts on this have basically completely reversed. Oh, oh, oh OK. So last week, what, what were your thoughts? Just quick recap. I was relatively positive. I was like, you know what? I know what I'm doing. I can handle Pop! OS. Um, that's fine. Right. It's OK. If it doesn't work out, well, I'll just, you know, you know, nuke and pave Ubuntu LTS, sure. just like always, right? Yeah. I mean, that's whatever. Then something happened. And I was listening to the real Rekai, not fake Rekai, <laughs> real Rekai. Oh, the one on user. Yeah. Not on user fake. error from last week, this morning, while I was lounging in my pool. Not the fake one uh, that was in the Coda Radio crossover user. Not, not the fake crossover Rekai. And... I couldn't. I I just want to tell you this, Chris, and I and I, you know, I, this is a private setting, so I hope you can take some criticism. Uh, Rekai is one hundred percent right, and you are one hundred percent wrong. Okay, okay. What was I wrong about exactly? So I just want to talk about the marketing campaign behind Pop OS first. Oh, like the hashtag Revolution of seventy six yeah, stuff. We're gonna go into the business of the art and business. So save your hate mail, or you know what? Send it to me. I am a little bored. It sucked. Right. I mean, it, it was OK. And I was actually excited. I liked uh, uh, Ryan dressing up. If you don't know Ryan Sipes over, uh, I think it's titles community manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that right. Yep. Assistant 76 great guy. I love him. Uh, I like the Tux, uh, you know, Guy Fox, whatever Tux Fox. Wrong time of year for it. Rekai's right about that. But that's fine. But they did this huge buildup like this huge like I was checking their Twitter every day. I was like trying to ping people on telegram to you know see you know that company leaks like a sieve and like the only time you couldn't get any goddamn information out of them <laughs> and, and, like they want to tell you all this other stuff that nobody that i don't care about and then like the one time i was interested because you know what i thought let me just let me just tell you where my expectations were i had heard a rumor that they were doing a derivative os a derivative distribution a spin of ubuntu i thought they were going to take over unity so oh. I'm sitting there like jazzed, right? Because I've got this office I'm opening in Plant City. I gotta buy some machines. I gotta get some people. I want to standardize. I don't want to pay the Apple tax. You know, I, I'm jazzed. I'm really like, okay, this is perfect. Everybody can run Unity. I'll go back to Unity because I'm not, you know, Gnome is fine, but I'm not thrilled with it. You know, if we all just standardize in Unity, we standardize in System76 hardware, it's going to be awesome. Because I know Canon, you know, Unity is open source. They have the resources. It makes sense. They could team up with another effort. That's awesome. That didn't happen. So can I tell you what I expected? Please. And then I, I, and then I'll, 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 I won't take long. Uh, I expected open hardware, something with core boot. Um, because they they mm. they made a really big deal about uh, empowering creators and and open source and open access and freedom and freedom of choice, and so I thought they were going to announce something that worked out of the box with Core Boot. Um, I'll tell you I, what I really was hoping it wasn't going to be was a was like a fifty dollar sale, and then it it did turn out to be a fifty dollar. Yeah, on the on the hardware side, I, I mean, it's like one hundred and fifty one hundred and fifty off like uh, desktops. Yeah, but like, I mean, I have a little more sympathy for them there because I don't, I can't imagine they have a ton of margin. Right. My, so just to wrap up my thoughts was, is if you're going to use that language, though, um, like uh, it, 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 when it when it turns out to be, it's all the same stuff, but now we also have some swag and 50 bucks off a laptop. 
it feels like you're abusing the language of the community because you know it's going to resonate with them to push a sale. And that – that also a poor allocation of marketing resources, but – so yeah, and that was because you know sometimes I you know I I, I flip the, flip this around a bit as I often give this criticism to Google. I feel like they bang an open source drum with Android, but it's not really a truly open source project, especially as they've moved more and more things out of Android proper and locked them behind the Play Store. Which you know every right to do so. That's not my criticism, but my criticism is that it's not a true and fair open source project, and it's getting hobbled more and more. And then, but they still bang those drums loud as ever. And if you bang freedom and choice and open source and empowering creators, if you bang that drum a lot, it, it, it's different than helping you save money, affordable productivity. Those things are – that's different language. Um, so that's why I was a little disappointed. Sorry to, sorry to disrail, derail. No, no, no. I, th- I think it's a good conversation because like I had, I had three things that I, I thought it could be. I mean and, and table stakes was like a substantial sale, right? Um, but it wasn't, and, and I think it's obvious why it's not, and that's fine. I, I can't stress how much I wanted it to be Unity, though. I just, I hate to hit this too hard, but I think Unity makes a ton of sense as an alternative to macOS for a uh, technically leaning uh, company, but for non-technical employees, right? And that's the key for point, your salespeople. Point for of your clarification, customers. are you talking Unity 7 or are you talking Unity 8? So you're talking you know, about like the, the, the shipping Unity 7 that we've been using for years? That I, yeah, so my expectation, I didn't think they would like dive whole hog into Unity 8, is that they would just maintain a version of Unity 7 and make incremental, modest improvements to it. I would so 100% be on that. I'm so on board with that. And also, there's already a community that's working on a fork, so there is, they, they, you know, they could be a patron of that community and, and toss in some resources and really not even have to do all the heavy lifting. Right. Right. No, I mean, I think, I mean, I don't want to go on because I know people get like pissy about Unity because Canonical does bad things and blah, blah, blah. Actually, you but know, I want to, I want to double, you were 100% right. I've been using it on two systems for the last uh, few weeks. And uh, when I transitioned from the Linux Action Show host who was trying to showcase great stuff in Linux, right. and I transitioned to somebody who just wants to use these machines to get my other work done, I, 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 I really did adopt a different appreciation for Unity, especially because right now I'm having all, just yesterday, just last night, I, I had GNOME 3 crash on me in the middle of a show, and uh, it took out our recording. So you, yeah. I'm really appreciating I mean, no, Unity. No, yeah, Unity. It's also good if you're hiring just like, you know, interns for the summer, right? Because it, it's an operating system that maybe is unfamiliar to them, but it's close enough to Mac. And I know people are going to say, we'll just throw elementary OS on it, which, by the way, would have been a better idea. <laughs> I'm less excited about elementary OS, but, you know, the guy who does elementary does work at system 76. So that might've been a, a natural thing for them to do too, but they didn't. The other thing, do you remember, um, and this is maybe going way, way back too far, but do you remember when Dell first announced Sputnik? Mm, yeah. Yeah. And they had in the, I remember cause I had the original Dell XPS 13 Sputnik mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they had the, the, uh, I think they called it profile or configuration profiles where they had prefab like developer, designer, yes. IT admin. Yeah, I know that sounds dumb because everybody listening to the show, us included, can configure our own system and we're probably picky about what we want. But again, interns, junior employees, that's awesome. If I could just give you like a web developer preset system, this is the way it comes. And like I order it and it comes from UPS that way. 
that is a great time saving. I mean, we're not a big company. We don't want to be doing IT. That sounds like uh, Pop OS. That sounds exactly like what they want to do with Pop OS, though. But it's not what they did. Well, right? not, so, yet. So, not yet. Well, that's, see, see, okay, but this is the problem. And, and, and this is kind of where I was excited because I, that's where I thought they were, you know, I was disappointed not to get Unity, but I thought that's where they're going with it. But now they're spinning up these factories or not factories, but, this, you know, a hardware manufacturing supply line, which I think you guys covered on User Error. And we covered months ago when I went to the Superfan event and saw some of the stuff they're doing. And they're now going to be an operating system developer. And and I know people are like in Reddit, just like super negative saying it's just a spin. But let's use their language, right? They're calling it an OS. So I'm going to trust them and say that they're doing things that are deeper than just skinning GNOME. That's yeah, yeah. a hell of a lot for that size company. I agree. That And that's, on the one hand, like if they're successful, that's awesome. And I'm happy to like slowly transition to pop and have, you know, new people just get pop and I'll even be the one who tests it but on the other hand what if you have like an office full of pop os machines um, using that user interface using some of the customizations and then they abandon it for mm. whatever reason mm. or worse they end up having and this is what i think will happen they end up having to all offer the uh option at purchase time of stock ubuntu oh they, i think they are i think they've i think they've updated and so they're going to offer lts at purchase time so, so now they're means, now they're in a dual support role. Plus, they have all their legacy customers who have. Yeah, I mean that, that's. You know, this is kind of my last point on this, and then I'd love to pass it to you. Um, you know, one of the reasons I'm trying to work on Linux as much as possible is because it Ubuntu better, and they and they called out DevOps and DevOps developers particularly in their Pop OS marketing. Well. Ubuntu is the target uh, production platform I, I use. I mean, in some cases I do RHEL, but that's, you know, by client request. I'm not sure that it makes sense to deviate from POP, or, or rather to POP. And I know right now it doesn't matter because it's just a, just basically UI differences and a couple other things. But if they really do it as their own OS, if they really start making... I mean, I don't know. When you say OS, I'm starting to think like kernel extensions, right? I'm thinking deep changes am i wrong is that is os i mean let me ask you chris do you think the terminology os is just branding here or is it really i think it's setting the expectation so uh here's so when you're trying to when you're trying to think through the logic of this uh, keep two components in mind the people at system 76 are very clever and they are hearing from customers constantly so i think one of the things that they have run into shipping ubuntu machines over the years is often the best way to fix that customer's problem is to just ship a new pa- version of a package, maybe it be a driver or a library or a version of a browser, and it solves the problem. But, of course, then you fall into dependency hell. You end up creating this PPA that installs tons of things, and it's always just a patchwork because you don't really have the ability to ship the most recent, newest stuff you need to solve the problem all the time, and that just starts to become frustrating. So I, I can imagine that would be something they would want to address in their own OS, is the ability maybe to make sure they're shipping a version of the NVIDIA driver that has Vulkan support, for example. Uh, and, and the best way to do that at some point is to have your own release cadence, to have your own distro. I, I mean, that's, that's, I think, the logic. I'll tell you, Mike, what... But I think out of all of it, even though I, I think I totally see where they're coming from, at least for the most part, I think at the very core root of what my issue, why this doesn't feel good, is it feels like it's a solution for 2007. 
In 2017, this isn't how we no. do things anymore. In 20, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying I have the answer, and I don't mean that to sound judgmental, but I think what bugs me about it is this is how we used to do things, and now we have things like containerization and virtualization yeah. baked into the kernel and file systems that give us capabilities of taking snapshots. And <clears throat> I wonder if some of this experience couldn't, be, couldn't have been delivered from within a container. Wouldn't it have been fascinating if System76 was the first vendor to ship a dedicated X section, X session that was running out of a container that they updated? It comes on an Ubuntu base. It's an Ubuntu distribution, but the user environment is actually a container environment that they have the capability of updating from System76 HQ. They wouldn't have to run their own OS. They wouldn't have to maintain all of the layers. They wouldn't have to worry about trademark issues or repository hosting or any of that. They could ship Ubuntu and they could offer the POP environment, which was a container-based environment exactly as System76 envisioned it. Now, I know that sounds hipster and crazy, but to me it seems like somewhere more in the ballpark of how you solve this problem in 2017 than adding fragmentation and overhead like a 2007 problem. What do you think of that? I mean, I think that is a little out there. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. But so is trying to be an OS vendor. Well, I mean, and you you and uh, and, uh, Rikai covered this really well. It's pretty clear why they did this, right? Um, You know, and I'm not even saying it's the wrong thing to do. I'm just questioning the validity of starting up this hardware manufacturing effort and at the same time the OS effort. Right, because Canonical really hasn't done a great job, right? I mean, they are basically abandoning Unity. Um, you know, they wasted year. I mean, I, I remember the days of Ubuntu TV. Remember when that was going to be a thing? Mm. Then it wasn't. I, you know what I would do is if I was System76, I would be looking around at things like Endless OS, and I would be looking around at Tuxedo, and I'd be thinking, well, this is just what it takes to compete, and so we're just going to hustle. We're just going to hustle like we've never hustled before, because the competition's doing this. Here's the thing. If it works, it's going to be great. I mean, I like the look and feel. I like where they're going with it, but mm-hmm. it is a lot they are doing a lot at once. I got to say, it does have echoes, and I know I said this last week, but it does have echoes of when Mark Shuttleworth announced that they were going to try to do Ubuntu TV and Ubuntu Mobile. And I remember thinking to myself, how the hell are you going to take on Android? And, and then we sat around and we all discussed, like, this doesn't seem like this is going to be possible. This doesn't seem like this is going to work out. And now here we are. And it feels a lot like that. And it's the same kind of community reaction. It's, the, it's like everybody outside the bubble or people that are outside the payroll of System76 or sponsorship. Or, in fact, you're one of the few folks who's attended the Superfan contest who wasn't so successfully blown away that you're, you're remaining critical. Uh, it is you, uh, it's because I didn't get a cute mask. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, kidding by the way. <laughs> you know, but I'm saying, like, people outside that bubble are really questioning what's going uh, on. I, I mean, I've listened to a bunch of YouTubers and, like, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I've met – obviously, I was there, so I met most of them. I don't think anybody's really a shill. No, I mean, no, I, no, I, no. I, 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 don't, I don't mean like, to put it that way. I mean, of course, like, oh, because of the sponsorship thing. No, what I mean by right. that is like, um, <clears throat> you know, you get in – you get inside the head of the company and you get inside that bubble. Like, you get inside that culture, that chamber, and uh, it seems like you can accomplish anything. You know, like, 
you're not you're, you sort of lose a, a, a detached perspective. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, full disclosure, I, I was a bit critical at the Super Fan event too, so that might be. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> love it, of course. Uh, so you know, but here's the thing: because I'm comparing them to Apple, and then I'm looking at their resource allocation and what they can actually do, and I'm like, no. I mean, and and I want them to succeed. My plan is to fill this office with with their hardware, but I like that's my nightmare, mm-hmm. right? That they take on too much mm-hmm. and then they do a massive cutback, or they go bankrupt. And now I now lots of folks like me are left holding the bag. Or there's a trade, like we trade a few things to get custom built machines, and we trade a few things to get their own version of an OS. And like there's just going to be different compromises, and I don't know if I'm going to be happy with the set, those. I've 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 come to understand the current set of compromises, and I'm not sure I'm going to be happy with the new set of compromises. So, I mean, for the time I've been watching them, my big, biggest criticism of, of their hardware has been that it's like commodity hardware, right? And I find some of their larger laptops to be pretty not nice and pretty ugly. But I'm also not a large laptop guy. Yeah, and really, if you just need to get the work done, you don't really care so much about how it looks. Right, but you, you care about, you know, I, I know this is going to be like the hate mail thing. But if you are going to manufacture your own hardware, if you are going to now have your own OS, your competitor is is not Tuxedo Linux. It's not Pogo Linux. It's Apple. And you're going to get eaten alive. Or Dell. It could be Dell. Well, Dell's already got you on the hardware. That's why maybe they're trying to build their own. I mean, that Dell Dell iMac, don't call me an iMac, you know. Yeah, the precision all-in-one. Right. Looks really good. Mm -hmm. So... I feel like if Dell can do it with just GNOME 3, why can't you? You know, why can't you? If you and I, like, I felt like they're on the right track. Build your own hardware. You know, put in that Colorado flair because they're big into design, and I think they have like a great design team. But know that you have limits, and don't try to just like do everything because you still have to support. These are five-year machines, so it's not like you're going to be able to not support everything you've sold over the last five years. But I don't know. I mean, I would love to hear, like, I've, I've heard Ryan on a bunch of shows talk about it. I would love to hear more directly what the goal is, because I, I feel maybe it's the messaging, because the messaging is very confusing to me. They're talking about creators, but all they've really done is skinned GNOME in a lot of ways. And in my mind, put up a big red flag about, like, now fragmenting um, the support ecosystem and having just, like, a tremendous liability or a tremendous dependency on them. Where if you're right now, if you're running Ubuntu, the whole canonical community uh, and Ubuntu community is basically supporting you. Just just think about this, Chris. If you hire a developer or an IT admin out of college or out of community college, and he doesn't know how to do something, if you type in Ubuntu 17.04, you know, insert problem here, within <laughs> minutes he'll have a valid answer and commands to run on Stack Overflow. Yeah, I, and, and, and System 76's best case scenario is that it's well known that SnapOS is based on Ubuntu, so it's well known that if you find the answer for Ubuntu, it'll work for Pop. That sounds like a muddied brand that's going to leave people constantly wondering why they're bothering with Pop. Like that doesn't seem like that's, and that seems like their best case because there's not going to be there's not going to be nearly the percentage that there's available for Ubuntu that there will be for Pop OS in terms and of community. They're not yet offering things like greater battery life or better hardware acceleration. Yet, right? I, I really do have faith that that's what's coming. Okay. I mean, I, well, I got to imagine. That, 
then that is a whole like then that is a value prop that makes sense. So then my challenge is why release this now? Maybe well, I think they'd say to get community interest going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they got a lot of interest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look at look at their well, should we peg it there? Because I'm sure some people are getting sick of us. Yeah, we'll pe- I mean, because it is. It, it's funny. It's a. It's something to really chew on because it's. If you zoom out from System seventy six, it's a. It's a much larger problem that they're struggling with. That it's. It's a small shop that wants to build boutique hardware, and they're trying to survive in this market where they can't sell it directly to average consumers. That's why they didn't go with elementary OS. They want to sell it to people like our audience. And so they're trying to figure out how to build systems that compete with the XPS and the HPs and the Apples and the Lenovo's. And this is how they think they get there. And I, I can see it. And, you know, part of it, too, is they probably just felt like, well, we didn't have a lot of leverage with the ODM. So now we're just going to apply as much leverage as we can with the software le- at the software layer. You are both wise and rational. <laughs> I need another co-host. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go outside the bubble. Let's zoom out. Go to scaleyourcode.com and learn from developers that have built huge things that you've likely heard of and get access to those interviews, inside looks and tutorials. And one of the things I mention a lot during this spot is uh, the culture aspect of it, which I think can be exceedingly useful if you're new with this because you, if it's a good team and you don't want to blow it, you really only get one chance. And that's why I'm going to highlight this interview this week. Uh, it's a look at Etsy's scale and engineering culture. They look at the current architecture of Etsy, which sounds fascinating, but they also t- they do a deep dive into the engineering culture. Over time, it's shifted to Etsy, and so they've learned some lessons. That's why this interview is a particularly good one. And how about this, too? They do it, and 40% of their ops team is 40, – 40% of it is re- the, uh, remote. 40, I, and here we are. I thought we, I thought we were in the, uh, the Yahoo era where everybody had to work uh, at a desk uh, next to each other in order to have a good culture. But apparently 40% of Etsy's ops team is remote, so they talk about that in the interview. It's a really good discussion, and it's just one of many you get access to. When you go to scaleyourcode.com, you sign up for their low-flow mailing list, and, the, and then you get access. That's essentially it. It's free. It's pretty nice, huh? Scaleyourcode.com. Thanks to them for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Just as a quick follow-up, because this has come into the show a couple of times, we talked about Sega Forever, and we were kind of excited, you know, got a little, got our fanboy on about it. Well, it turns out that it's been getting a lot of crap, a lot of crap from folks in the App Store yeah. and the Google Play reviews, out-of-sync audio, choppy frame rates, input lag, even on, like, the Galaxy 8 and the Pixel. guess they're using, uh, like, an old emulator based off of Unity. Now, it's interesting how this story actually has gotten legs. No, let's go behind it because uh, you know what? These things probably in six months will get updated and worked out potentially. But what's what's fascinating about it is this story, I think, is starting because of a butthurt open source project. I think that's actually why this story has legs. So I'm going to oh, zoom really? in. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to zoom through. I'll just talk about the performance for a second so we don't ignore that. Uh, so they're... Uh, <laughs> Uh, their um, chief marketing officer, Mike Evans, blamed, quote-unquote, fragmentation for the wobbly launch. He says there's a lot of fragmentation. If you look at all the different OSs, the different devices in mobile, as you go live, you get feedback, on, on which you just don't get in the sandboxed environment. We're going to continue to work on it, and we're trying to get every instance of every OS in advance. We've got some really good updates coming out soon, he says. But here's the devil in the details. Following the launch of Sega Forever, the developers behind RetroArch... A popular emulation or emulator based on the LibRetro API took to Twitter to denounce 
Sega's use of Unity. Gotta get that Unity shame in there. While there's a certain note of sour grapes behind the tweets, they make a point. They say they could have been using RetroArch right now if they hadn't been so stubbornly insistent on demanding we relicense our entire program something that would strip us of all of our rights, on top of some of our unreasonable things like not showing our branding as well. What is the uh, license on RetroArch? Oh, oh, well, uh, you're never going to guess, but it's licensed under I the... I can take uh, <laughs> a quick guess. Yeah, what is that guess? Give me a G. <laughs> you got it, buddy, Have the GPL. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The GNU general public, yeah, the general public license, uh, the good GNUs guys, uh, Richard Stallman's favorite out there. Uh, it's a classic. I think that we should all yeah. Yeah, make that those business. Uh, anyways, fail. they... Uh, still, still hate them. So Sega uh, said an update. They said, well, yeah, we looked at that actually they didn't look at it they said one of the development shops they were using uh, go games they looked oh, at lib- sure. blame the subcontractor here this chris this is my team i know today. let's i know this. i know i know i got gpl hitting your buttons here i got open source high and mighty with their rights in here and i got saga blowing the con uh, blaming the contractor for talking to the open source project in the first it's so toxic now that they even talk to a gpl project that they have to blame it on a contractor the bell's getting a lot of work today all right so i just want to Say a few things. Oh, yeah, One, go ahead. What is it? Go ahead, caller. Have you heard the good news of Apache? <laughs> yeah. What about uh, what about that BSD prevent- license? I hear I hear I hear uh, I hear people like that. Uh, well, I, I I can't say that I haven't licensed things under BSD, but uh, I I've gone full Apache, and that's Apache too. Let me tell you why. It's simple. It's roughly two hundred words. Um, it's probably less than that, actually. And it basically says, I own it, and you can do whatever you want with it, and thank you. I like that. It does not try to infect the other person's uh, IP. It doesn't create these awkward situations of... Just real quick, was it GPL 2 or 3? Uh, you know, the R's article just says the GPL. They don't say which one, but I could, dig, I could do a little digging while you, uh, while you talk. Yeah, so... so I sort of don't get the project's problem here. Why not give Sega a proprietary license to it or like a, you know, a, a, a white label license and then charge them for it? They have lots of money. You could charge them and therefore fund open source. Well, in their in their language, in their tweet, they talk about stripping rights and branding from it, which to me seems yeah, so a white label license, right? So Sega just doesn't want to. That's exactly well, or or Go Games or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly what they wanted to do. So make it, them pay. By the way, that. it is GPL three. Of course, it is. So make them pay for that. Well, that's what I thought, or, but mm. or is that see? Am I? Am I too far out of the hippie commune to even understand what's going on here? Because I'm just thinking, this sounds like an opportunity to extract some money well, from Sega. See, that's where I wanted to have the conversation. So at what point is it – What's uh, okay. At, at what point do you ask yourself, what's the point? Like why am I making this thing? Am I making this thing for thousands, maybe millions of people to use? Or am I making this thing for tens of thousands of people to use? Maybe you're happy with the latter. But um, I, I – 
I go back to Linus. You know what? You know who is the the you know out of anybody that could have the biggest ego about this? Linus is very chill about the fact that almost ninety nine point nine percent of Android users have no idea that Linux is in that phone, and he thinks that's great. He thinks that's great because he's built this open source technology to to enable people to enable humanity not to get credit for Linux, and he he is he has such a great perspective on it. And you would wonder, you would think if anybody was like, God, I wish more people knew that was my code in there. If, if it would be him, and he's totally chill about it. But these RetroArch guys, they couldn't let their morals be violated. They couldn't let these Go gamers strip them of their rights on top of unreasonable things like not showing branding. They couldn't. They, it was a, it was a line too far. And it seems to me like there has to be a gray area there where you could say somewhere in the documentation, you know, this is powered by RetroArch or li- a Lib Retro API. Uh, you know, there's, there's got to be a middle ground there. Well, there, there is, right? Like even for, I, I think it's the Apache one, you have to have like somewhere on your website or on your, you know, FAQ or help or whatever page, like these are the licenses we use or these are the projects we use. Um, I, I guess I don't get it, right? Because like in the past, I had two uh, Objective-C open source libraries that I know a bunch of people used. I mean, they weren't huge, but, you know, they had a, People use them. They use them in proprietary things. And occasionally I'd get like an email or a GitHub message. Hey, you know, can you like, you know, people open issues because they didn't understand it. And because I didn't write good documentation, which is my bad. (laughs) But like I wasn't mad that they used it because if I didn't want them to use it, I would have kept it proprietary and made it a private repo. Why? Like if you're going to open source something, why not really open source it and say that it's like Apache or BSD or MIT well, and okay. anyone can use it for anything? So the I mean, reason maybe, the reason would be yeah. if 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 the if not for the GPL, Linux would be the size of BSD. So the fact oh. that the oh. fact that when Samsung wanted to add a feature to a device of theirs or Qualcomm or Intel or Red Hat or Canonical or any you know any any hardware manufacturer or any camera manufacturer the fact that when they created that code they they had to provide it they had to you know they had to they had to also relicense that code under the GPL that created a snowball effect for the Linux kernel to take over devices and servers like crazy so i really think you couldn't have the success of linux without the GPL but I don't think that necessarily means the GPL is appropriate for everything. And like, so Rikai is asking, and he's, he's right. Uh, the reason why Sony couldn't go with a GPL licensed project is they can't use something GPL licensed because they can't combine proprietary GPL license with the proprietary software in the games, i.e. they would lose the right to their game catalog, which for them is sort of like their IP. Like, that's all they have. That's That's the golden... You know that's 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 Uncle Scrooge's uh, money bin with the golden money that they're they're swimming through. That's all they have, and so they can't relicense those to GPL. So then they can't use GPL software. So then they're sort of stuck. So it's something GPL, no matter how great it is, is simply not available. So they go with something like Unity, which is designed and purpose built for a job like this, and then the community shits all over them. And I mean, I mean, it does suck. That you pay money for something and it has input lag and frame rate issues. I'm not defending that. But there's there's really no win for a company like this. There's like, and then then you combine those those issues with the fact that the market is seriously fragmented for this particular, which is particularly challenging for this type of application that you're delivering. This is where fragmentation is really going to hit you in the face. And what a shit show! Like I, I man, if I was them, 
I tell you, I would have just ridden it for iOS, I would have optimized the shit out of it, and would have just sat back and made the millions, and I wouldn't have bothered with any of this horseshit. Well, so you would have just totally dropped Android. At least for the, I mean, build it, build it with the intention of making it a multi-platform, but just, you know, for God's sakes, target a handful of devices that have great GPUs, CPUs, and fast storage, and call it good. And they have an app store where you can monetize it. Like, this shit show shows you why Android is such a disaster. And Sega really bit off more than they could chew here. And it's going to take them months to dig themselves out of this. In the meantime, people are going to crap all over them, and this open source project is going to make hay for an impossible situation that they could never have, they could never have won anyways. Okay, so I see. I think you're taking it a little too far. Um, it isn't like the entire. So when you say the open source community, you actually just mean like the GPL people. Well, I it's these things like, come up the constantly. Venus, this the this state taking our rights, taking our freedom. Okay, but, but that's that's not fair, right? Because aren't the Apache guys, the MIT guys, the BSD guys? Well, I'm not also lumping, I'm not lumping everybody together. I'm lumping right. sort of the cocky open source GPL projects like RetroArch. Well, those are people who, like, are... Here's my thought. Okay, let me finish my thought. Go ahead. Yeah. RetroArch has every right to refuse. Good on them. That's fine. I have, that is not what I take issue with. What I take issue with is then going on Twitter and shitposting. That's a line too far. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get into a conversation about, like, my less than loving thoughts about g- people who license libraries under I just GPL I don't mind if they don't want to bend I don't mind if they don't want to bend their morals but then they don't have to shame Sega for it when they're already having a hard time like it just doesn't seem productive well because it, it's about notoriety right I mean but it there, makes, there are different sorry to keep interrupting but the reason why I'm just a, it makes it makes working with these open source communities toxic. Like you saw in Sony's communication, they even distanced themselves to say, well, it was our contractor that actually had the conversation because, you know, we didn't do that because it just makes even communicating with a GPL project toxic. Well, I'm, I'm just going to say this. Isn't the GPL basically toxic if you're using it as a library and a proprietary application? Man, I would tell you that the kernel developers that work years and years and years to establish long, persistent relationships with companies to get them to contribute to the GPL would hope not. And they would tell you that that kind of well, attitude from companies is going to be damaging long-term to Linux. I've, I've, I've heard it. It is, from- but we're not, we're not talking about system development here. We're talking about application development. No, we're talking about companies' willingness to work with GPL projects. That's what I'm talking Because it's not just retroarch. But there's a line in the sense. See, I think there's a division that, that maybe you're, you're glossing over. Mm. Oh, okay. There's a difference between system development, right? Even in programming language, right? There's system development languages yeah. and application level languages. Right. I totally agree with the GPL at the system level. Yeah, um, yeah. I have no, I have no issue there. Sure. At the application level, I think it's a little on. Oh, so you're saying that conversation's irrelevant? Like, so, so what? I guess because the paint, the picture I'm trying to paint that I'm concerned about is right. that these toxic conversations just turn companies off from working with the GPL altogether. Even system development is what I'm worried about. I don't know that that's true. I okay. mean, I well, that's. No, that, I mean, you might be right. I hope you're right. There was just that great story about Microsoft, right, and how they're expanding, you know, their their efforts on Linux and all that. I, I forgot who. In fact, I think you had it. I think it was uh, it was you on the Linux news today. Linux action news. Thank you. It's Whatever. one word off from the last show. It's not that art. <laughs> but I see. Yeah. I, I see. I. I have to be honest. Like I, I sort of. I mean, yes, they have the right to refuse, and that's fine. 
but it definitely doesn't feel like a smart thing to be doing to me. I mean, but, but we're getting into like philosophy here. We're getting into yeah. philosophical differences where we don't agree. Now we're getting into the damn art of it. We should probably be careful. Right. Well, we're, we're getting into, yes, the, yeah, we're, we're getting into like the whole MIT BSD versus GPL thing here. And like even back episode like four of the show, we talked about this and I was like, I just took a giant shit on the GPL, right? I look at any library in GitHub. First thing I do is make sure it's not GPL. For that reason, because even if, you know, I have had overwhelmingly negative interactions with folks writing GPL libraries, other than like kernel developers. And I, I don't know what to say. I mean, the the worst I ever had, I won't say the library, but it is a very large, popular video encoding library. And I had a need to use it, a very urgent need. But I needed an exception because it was something that couldn't be open sourced. And I tried to broker a deal on behalf of my client. And they just like, not only did they not take the deal, they were offended that someone would even think along those lines. Oh, it, it was like, you know, I felt like I walked up to a nun in a bar and asked her if she was a prostitute. Like it, it was a really bad situation. And it just gave this feeling in my mouth of like, just like this arrogant self-righteousness of like, well, we're talking about freedom, man. All right, shut up and go smoke a bong. Like, fuck you. So you, you think it's like an activist license? I think it's childish. I mean, I think it's stupid and childish. There you go. That's the email for the week. I could, uh, unless it's unless it's a core component, I could kind of see your I could see your logic. I don't I, know. I think I think once you jump above the kernel level, and I would even argue that like BSD ought to have been better off than Linux, except for some legal issues with AT and T. You have to remember, BSD got screwed up because of AT and T. What right? about? I see. I, 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 the reason why. Okay, I'll give you an example of an application that I think is totally appropriate. It doesn't have to be GPL, but it sure seems to have worked. Our caster soundboard that's been developed by our community. Now it is licensed. It's LGPL three, so it's not full GPL. So it's a limited GPL, but uh, it's developed by our community, and it is a seriously great product that got good really, really fast. I mean, I, I, I thought, I thought it was a pipe dream that we'd be able to get anything this competitive this fast. And um, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta say, the GPL didn't seem to hinder that. I guess. You know, it, but again, that's not a commercial product. It's not something they're trying to. Dis- it's just something that we just wanted the community to be able to adopt. We were creating it for community adoption. Right. So let me ask you this: if someone if someone came to you and said, "Listen, we have this need. We we want a license to it." Um, it, it there is a, a catch of like everybody who's contributed would then have to agree. But let's just say you and like Rikai and me were the only contributors, and me and Rikai don't care. Mm-hmm. And they said, "If you give us a license to it, we'll give you a hundred thousand dollars." You yeah, may I, say I, no to that I don't think philosophical reason. I don't think no. I think I'd have no as long as everybody involved in the project. In this case, it's if for this philosoph- for this hypothetical, it's you, me, and Rikai. Yeah, I, and we all said okay. I would totally go for that because that money would be turned right back into the network. Then we would That's create more point. open source. We would even forget the network. That money would then fund further open source yeah, development. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of taking this attitude of like, well, that's like you know. That's, I mean, it's almost like a, a proto-communism, and I know I'm going to get hate mail. It's like, let them have that weird old version of your project, then take that money, and then just make your make project. Yeah. And then don't let them have the new one, right? <laughs> or make them pay up for the next one. Or make them pay for, make them pay a support con. I mean, it just seems like a really weird, unrealistic set of expectations. But welcome to Windows Weekly.
Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, So one, just before we kind of move on, uh, because we have, I think we have enough time to get to one feedback. Maybe we'll save some for next week. But there was a story that caught my attention, too. I didn't put it in the show notes, but you did. And I thought, where the hell is this going? The headline is, outside of AI, companies are doing less research and they're doing more actual development. What does that exactly mean? Because it seems like AI is all we talk about anymore. No, it's actually, um, it's actually really, really bad news. So on the user error crossover, you, me, and fake Rikai got into a conversation about uh, government funding for the sciences before Zencaster crashed 400 times. <laughs> no, oh, that's right. That was bad. That was bad. This, uh, I'm sure that's GPL also. <laughs> this, <laughs> this TechCrunch article actually follows a trend that, it, that is pretty scary. So the traditional pipeline is that public, public funds go into university what they call basic research, which is research basically into, well, the basic sciences, right? So mm-hmm. pure research mm-hmm. is, is the term people use. I like that. And then universities license their findings to companies. Big companies, little companies, doesn't matter, right? Stanford has a classic case of they'll let their grad students start corporations, but Stanford gets a cut. They get equity in the company that if you hit it big, Stanford gets a big payoff. This was the model for I mean, you know, from World War II on, right after World War II on the kind of, you know, before it got screwed up. Now we're seeing something really, on the one hand, it might, it's great that people are investing in AI, but people are not, the. it's not government funding, it's uh, private companies and nothing else or very little else. And what we're also seeing is there's less government funding for research but more startups trying to capitalize on that research. That may not sound bad, but just hear me out. So let's take um, let's take Stanford again because it's, it's the easy example. Let's say they have some, I don't know, what, what's a buzzword other than AI we could use right now? Deep learning? Um, deep learning. Let's say quantum computing. Let's go oh, even good deeper. one. Let's say quantum computing, which is something we don't talk a lot about here because it's very – very speculative in early days. Instead of there being like one you know, startup and, and a couple of big companies trying to work on it with Stanford, there's now a ton of them working on less research than they would have before and basically just trying to capitalize on it earlier and earlier and earlier in the process. So the end result, the the argument that this article somehow fails to make, but is like right on the edge of it, says that we're capitalizing on less well-founded less rigorous research and overall less differentiated research. We are just going in and doing the same things over and over and over again with the weird exception of AI. Now we can make arguments about why AI is an exception to the rule. I would say that self-driving cars is a big part of that. That is a form of AI and anything where you're eliminating employees is obviously a good way for corporations to save a ton of money. But it, if you think about the history of computing as a whole, or even if you don't want to go back that far, if you just think about like the history of the internet, there is a huge potential problem here, particularly for the U.S., of we just aren't doing the basic research anymore. We are like the Linux community, you know, slapping our dicks on the table and forking OSs and window managers over and over again. You know, we're having thinner and cuter and nicer and blah, 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 and new iPhones and hmm. more water resistant, but nothing new with the one exception of AI. And I would even argue that outside of the self-driving car area, 
they're even even Watson isn't that impressive. You you, you can and I know it sounds crazy. This is where Mike's you know crazy. You promised me flying cars and gave me Twitter issue comes into play. If we kept the same rate of investment and uh, research progress, I'd argue that Watson would look like a piece of crap compared to what we would have had. Where right now Watson is basically the best AI in the world, although maybe not because China apparently has something better. But <laughs> um, I'm not going to argue with you about Watson. But I, so just so I can make sure I'm tracking, you're saying that uh, essentially, if you look at over our lifetimes, there is a there is a plot line that just keeps going straight up when it comes to PC innovation and technology innovation and speed of which things are, are improving. And now it feels as if we have plateaued, and it, most of it's because it's been siloed up by large companies. Am I? Am I tracking or am I, am I, am I misrepresenting? You're tracking. So, so both things are true at the same time. It is more being siloed in fewer private companies um, and a number of startups who are then being bought by those same private companies, right? So the startups are not forming their own big companies. They're just being bought up. I mean, let's talk about ARKit. Let's talk about workflow. Let's talk about all you know the companies that Google's bought. That's true. Or even even you could go zoom out a bit and just talk about microservices, where a company starts up and a core part of their business functionality is completely outsourced uh, to. I mean, in reality, right. you know what? In reality, Stripe is that for a lot of people. You know, uh, maybe right. you maybe you are like somebody like Mike who's trying to directly sell some software, and you know you don't you don't go to the trouble anymore of building the entire payment system. That'd be might be ridiculous, Crazy. and also, uh, really, as a as a consumer, I wouldn't really trust that. So it, you kind of end up going with Stripe, but of course, now that is if you can't take payments, then you don't make any money. So we are we are, com- companies are starting and and outsourcing fundamental aspects of their infrastructure, and a lot of times, so far, it seems to be for the better. Like you know, you take our sponsor, DigitalOcean, they sure make a better server than I do. I, my priority now is these shows, not building servers, and so for me, it makes sense to outsource a ton of my infrastructure to them. It does, but then when you, I mean, and we love DigitalOcean, but if we zoom out, or rather, let's let's use the term of the Linux community here. If we look upstream, that flow of capital from the government into basic research, right, pure research is what we're talking about here, has basically stalled to a trickle. But wouldn't conservative Mike argue that this is how it should be? Like, this is why SpaceX is a great thing? Uh, remember, Mike is a Republican and believes in a prohibitive military so no, it's oh, oh. <laughs> R&D is like the only thing I want to spend money on. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, okay. So you know where uh, you know where I think this leaves us is uh, I actually I actually think it leaves us in a pretty good spot. Um, but I'm going to leave it right there. We just mentioned DigitalOcean. Why not just take that moment and Do talk it. about DigitalOcean? DigitalOcean.com. Go there, create an account, and use our promo code Coder Digital after you create the account, and you'll get a ten dollar credit. You just apply it, ten dollar credit. Then you can get started with setting up a machine in seconds. They have a super simple, easy-to-use interface to manage this. Really straightforward. If you're an expert, you're going to love some of the power features that are just intuitively built in. And if you're a developer, you're going to really appreciate this straightforward API, which is now that we've been a DigitalOcean customer for quite a while, more than a couple of years now, uh, it's pretty much how I interface with DigitalOcean is almost exclusively through the API or maybe like an app on my mobile device. But it's so nice that, that when I go back to that dashboard, I'm always just so damn impressed. The other thing that's great about DigitalOcean is the infrastructure. So they've matched that great UI with SSDs for all of the rigs, lightning-fast networks 
40 gigabit E redundant connections coming up to the hypervisors. Hypervisors are running KVM and on top of a super solid Linux base. They have highly available block storage, which is also SSD based. They're introducing object storage very soon. You can get a complete open source application deployed within seconds, or you can build a system from the ground up with lots of great Linux distributions to choose from. Now baked in, too, they have monitoring where you can collect metrics, get performance information, alerts, really look like a boss, load balancing as a service, and really good documentation. They just posted this one on June 30th, how to write your first Ruby program. Guess what? Very useful, well-written, well-constructed article. Look at that. And that's just for free. It's just part of the great work they do over at DigitalOcean. So go to DigitalOcean.com, create an account, and use our promo code CODERDIGITAL. That's DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code CODERDIGITAL. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Um, <clears throat> all right. So I think it is... I think it is actually a pretty good thing because it just opens up the space for more market competition. And I know that sounds really cliche to say, but think about it. If all of the big guys stop innovating, it leaves room for somebody to come along with something new and really take off. And, and now, in some sense, the cost of doing that is less than ever. You, you, have, you have Ubers now. So there, there are types of innovation that are happening. They're just they're horizontal, but I still think they're valuable because it's like new a new a new generation of infrastructure with decent powered computers in our product uh, pocket, decent always on connectivity, decent messaging and notification systems, decent location accuracy, and it just enables uh, a whole new generation of applications. And I honestly think things like AR kit and whatnot with, with great cameras are going to do the same thing. It's like more horizontal growth, but that's where there's a lot of money to be made there. Okay. Yes, there is. So let, let's take a look at Uber because I think you just put out a great example. Let's look at the traditional taxi company's business model. You are the owner of a taxi company. You pay a ton of licensing and upfront capital costs to the city, let's say New York, to buy a bunch of uh, what they call medallions, which are basically you know licenses, right? Licenses to operate a taxi cab. Yeah. You pay them per cab, per cabbie, generally. Okay. But let's even simplify it to per cab because we don't we don't need to scale it that way. That's expensive, and then you have to pay the cabbies. They have to pay the maintenance on the cars. Mm-hmm, and gas. Then you have to pay the insurance and gasoline on all the cars. Now let's look at Uber. You built a very nice iOS app. Let's say that app costs you $300,000 to build. Original, Originally, right? We're talking from the jump to open your company. You pay literally nothing in license fees other than pay, you know, you pay some payroll tax for your developers and franchise tax for having a corporation, which is probably less than, you know, $2,000 a year. You do not cover the wear and tear on the vehicles you do not directly pay the cabbies as employees therefore dodging social security payroll tax and medicare um, you pay them only based on when they work not in general not generally you are not responsible for the insurance on the vehicles and you are not responsible for the vehicles themselves the gasoline or any associative costs because you believe that you are somehow exempt from the regulations that exist in the taxi industry which is where you are even though you call yourself car sharing you also don't pay any licensing fees whatsoever um so you have innovated chris they have found value by simply not by simply avoiding government taxes and um i would argue taking advantage of um 
relatively uh, disadvantaged economically folks. And by the way, Travis Kalanick himself said to an Uber, who is the former CEO of Uber, said to an Uber driver, I quote, I can't fucking wait till we have automated cars to get rid of you people. Mm-hmm. So he he's thinking five steps ahead. He's already gotten rid of the medallions. Well, he's really probably like the people stuff. running fast food restaurants that can't wait to replace right. the fast food re- restaurant work so, with robots. So, so you're right. There's innovation. But I would argue, um, and this is going to get a little bit into the weeds on economics, a little bit of a hobby of mine, that this is what they call rent-seeking innovation. These are innovations where they're Hmm. where a party is using their position to take value from another party. They are not generating new value. This is not additive behavior. This is rent. What about AR kit where you can start supplementing all of this stuff we've been working on for all of these years and you can overlay it in the real world and it actually looks like it's like like daily positive stuff coming out about it. Like it actually looks like it's really su- super legit. What about that? That seems like- I, that, so so there are a few areas where I'm excited. I'm excited about AR kit. Um, and AR in general, because I think that could open a lot of doors for the disabled and we can actually have new types of jobs, right? We can create new jobs. Yeah, an incredible new way to train a new workforce. Right. I'm sure the military ex- could find I'm excited. Oh, I bet they can. I'm excited about bots only because they are – in one, on one hand, bots are actually going to cause a ton of problems, right? We're going to have a bunch of unemployed, low-level paralegals and, you know – assistance things like that are all going to be up for grabs but then eventually it will force the economy to shift i hope right this is the republican wet dream of offshoring just restated of that if you eliminate a lot of these uh, lower skill jobs you'll end up with um, openings at the top my fear is because we don't have the investment in basic r&d is that's not going to happen what's going to happen is what did happen with the hollowing out of the rust belt we're going to eliminate all these jobs and the people who own those companies are just simply going to make more money. Mm. And the people who would have had those jobs are going to not have them. And, and I would argue we're seeing this in, in, in tech a mm. little bit too, where, you know, a lot of folks don't even hire QA people anymore. They just automate that. A lot of, a lot of companies I'm noticing fewer and fewer it admins, like things are starting to kind of pull back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. Yeah. Well, hmm. well, that, that's uh, that is a so I I think a lot of times you don't see the next big thing really until it's here for a little bit, and so we I think we are often are in a position where we don't see it, and then all of a sudden it's here and it's obvious. Once once I, I, hope, I hope I'm completely wrong, right? Like this is this is one of those times where I hope I'm wrong. I feel like I'm right. You know, wouldn't it be great if we just sort of chilled the F out in the tech community, let things stabilize, and maybe the medical community had some good breakthroughs so it wasn't like the dark ages over there or the energy industry had some great breakthroughs where all of a sudden everybody ended up with solar on their roofs or something? Like, wouldn't – I mean, I'm ready for some other industries to really have some incredible breakthroughs. I feel like Silicon Valley can take the next generation off and just let everyone – I feel like they effectively are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mr. Dominic, I do have a positive note uh, before we wrap up. I I just feel like this audience would love to know that we have a Dell XPS 13 sweepstakes running in user air. And you can enter to win the Dell XPS 13 if you go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash show slash air or just click on the shows drop down and choose user air. And there's a link there where you can enter to win. It's going to be a random sweepstakes. Essentially, it goes just into a list and we're going to add a number to each name and, and then... And then whichever one picks, Dell will ship you a brand new factory built 
Dell XPS 13 <laughs> Developer Edition. That's going to be pretty handy for folks in our audience. So you can find out more oh, by going yeah. to jupiterbroadcasting.com. Click on Shows and choose User Air. The giveaway, of course, will be announced in the User Air program. And check out Episode 14, Fake Noah, where uh, Mr. Dominic joined us. Where else should we send folks throughout the week, Mr. Dominic? Go to buccaneer.io. I love it. I love it. Good work on uh, the move to Florida. Glad to hear things are going in the right direction. I look forward to talking to you on Monday for our extra episode. And if you miss us during the week, go to coderadio.reddit.com where you can get extra links or send us your thoughts on anything we talked about today at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. And as always, when we change things up, you can get it all listed at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you right back here next week. Thank you.